Welcome back to the Harvard Center for International Development Speaker Series podcast. This week, we're joined by Karim Sahan, Research Fellow at CID. I'm sitting down with Karim after his Speaker Series event at Harvard Kennedy School on September 23rd. Hello, Karim. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Kevin. Pleasure to be with you. Karim, you spoke to us last Friday on the frameworks for developmental strategies. For our new listeners in this podcast, could you give a short summary of what they are and why are they important? Thank you so much, Kevin. So let me start by saying that the origins of strategic thinking is in the military domain. So as part of my research, what I did is that I went back to military literature, tried to understand what's the meaning of strategy there, and then tried to think how can I bring some of these meanings into development? Of course, not copying pasting, because I mean, the, the domain is different, but just yes thinking about the ways of thinking there. So based mm-hmm. on this research, in my research, I'm proposing a framework which I call Grand Strategy of Development. And this framework is composed of four levels. The first level is the economic objective. So the question here is, what is the economic objective a country is trying to achieve? Usually it's economic development and growth, but depending on the context of the country, it might be other objective like reducing inequality. The second level after the economic objective is what we call development strategy. And this is about what direction will the country take in order to achieve economic development? How will the country use its resources to create the conditions needed to achieve the economic objective? So in this development strategy is a direction. Now, in order to basically implement this direction, we need to go to the third and fourth level which are tactics and operations. The tactics basically refer to the movements that need to be done by the political leadership and the economic bureaucracy in the country to go in the direction dictated by the development strategy. And the fourth level is the operations. The operations refer to what are the specific actions that need to be taken and by which actor in the country in order basically to make the moves that are determined by the tactics. So my point is that in my research, I'm trying to show how the economic development experience of China, South Korea, and Singapore can be read through this framework. And in my view, following this kind of grand strategy of development, helped these countries to achieve the economic growth that they have achieved. I see. It seems that the strategy framework for development is really crucial to have efficient development in many countries. Well, given your work specifically, your background in Egypt and other Arab countries, how do you think this four-level framework could be applied or should be applied in the MENA region in today? Okay, so if we think about this framework, strategy in some sense is really an intellectual activity. It's about the thinking about what direction the country can take to achieve its economic development. Tactics and operations are strategy in action. So one key factor in order to move from thought to action, i.e. from strategy to tactics and operation, is to think how to align the tactics and operations with your development strategy. In this sense, in all countries, including MENA region, Three critical questions are important in order to move from thought to action. These are basically, in my view, first, how to build the state capability needed to implement the strategy. Second, 
how to align the interests of the bureaucracy and other main actors with the strategy. Third, does successful implementation of the strategy require influencing or changing some aspects of the culture? Let me focus on one aspect of these because maybe you will not be able to go through all of them, which is what I call the state capability. In state capability question, what I'm referring to is how can you build a competent economic bureaucracy that can help the country to implement the development strategy? And the key challenge in MENA and region and some developing countries is this idea of building a competent economic bureaucracy that can take the development strategy forward. So in my research, I'm trying to show how China, South Korea, and Singapore managed to create these competent economic bureaucracies, which I call basically strategy implementing agencies, like the Economic Planning Board in Korea, the Economic Development Board in Singapore, and I would say that we don't have an equivalent to these agencies in terms of their competency. These agencies, when they were created in, in, in these East Asian countries, they attracted the top calibers of the countries and they gave them lots of incentives. And these yeah. agencies are the ones who took the countries forward. In mm -hmm. our region or MENA or some developing countries, we lack these competent agencies that are attractive to calibers. Usually what Absolutely. you will have is like the top of the agency is very competent person, very well educated, but not necessarily the mid-level and frontline officials. Whereas what you do is to have agencies that can attract these top-level calibers in, in different levels. I see. So during this, your long legal and political uh, policy advising career, would you share a practical challenge that you have actually faced trying to implement this framework in government decision-making, similar to what we talked about just earlier, having these challenges of finding issues with state capability? I think the key question many developing countries are facing is this question of how to attract top calibers to be in government agencies that are working on the economic affairs, what I call, again, the economic bureaucracy. I think, basically, as I mentioned earlier, the idea that you have these agencies, but they are not as powerful and as efficient as their counterparts in some of the other countries that achieve this economic growth. So I'm very, like, focused on this idea that how can you create an environment in these public agencies that can attract the top calibers and move the agencies forward. To give you an example, when I talk with my colleagues from Singapore, for example, it's very common that top graduates from top schools will think about joining government agencies in Singapore. This is not the case at all in the MENA region or in many developing countries. Everyone will think about finding the right career somewhere else. So again, the practical challenge that I see is this idea of attracting top calibers in order to create efficient and competent public agencies that can be efficient in implementing a development strategy. I see, I see. Separately, your research at CIT is also focused on China, South Korea, and Singapore. These three countries are either fully autocratic or generally seem to be semi-autocratic. Do you believe that the element of autocracy in these countries have helped them in their development? That's a very good question. Let, let me answer by making three points. First, China started its economic transformation in 1979, the reform and open up. Before 1979, China was also an autocracy. So the question I always ask is, 
what was the economic outcome of the autocracy in China before 1979? Basically, in 1959, you had what's called the Great Famine, where millions of Chinese were killed out of starvation. And by 1979, China had one of the lowest GDP per capita in the world. So what I'm trying to say here is that the economic outcome of the autocracy that existed before 1979 was not development. The economic outcome was famine and poverty. This is my first point. The second point, during the time of economic takeoff in China, South Korea, and Singapore, you had other autocracies in the Middle East and in Africa who also were raising developmental slogans. None of these countries achieved economic growth comparable or similar to what happened in China, South Korea, and Singapore. My third point on this question is, if it, it was a case in these East Asian countries that it was a strong man ruling who was imposing his developmental will on everyone else, logically, what should happen after the death or retirement of this strong ruler is that the project will collapse. But what happened in these countries actually is that the economic growth continued even beyond the leaders who initiated them. So how can we make sense of that? The way I make sense of that is that there was what I call grand strategy of development. And more importantly, there was this element of creating competent economic bureaucracies that were able to take this project forward even after the death of the leader who initiated the change. So the right lesson to learn from this East Asian country is not to be an autocracy. The right lesson to learn from this East Asian country is to have a development strategy and to build competent bureaucratic economic agencies that are able to implement this strategy and take it forward. I'm going to a little bit more of a personal career question. Super interesting how you've went from a partner of the Sharkawi and Sharhan law firm and moved into research and development at CID. So what happened? What made you decide to move from business law to working in the development field? And how has your legal experience been relevant to your research today? Okay, so uh, my, my work, I've worked as a lawyer before coming here to CID for almost 20 years in Egypt and the Middle East. My work was always on the intersection between law and development. So I worked a lot with development financial institutions on implementing development projects in Egypt and the region, in the energy sector, infrastructure sector, and also in the financial sector. So <clears throat> I have seen things firsthand, working or not working. So in other words, I was part sometimes of success stories. And in other cases, I, I saw projects collapsing. So this practical experience made me very curious about what works and doesn't work in development. So after spending like 20 years, I felt that I want to take some time to focus on research, reflecting on what I've seen in this practical life, but putting it into more like an intellectual and academic context, trying to draw some lessons about what might work in development and what might not work and why. So this is what attracted me to come here to CID and pursue my research. I see. That is wonderful to hear. And I assume that so many others out there are interested in pursuing what you have done in your career. And what advice would you give for advice, aspiring practitioner of development working between the lines of public and private sectors? Would you believe it's the most important skills for influencing change in government that is lacking among the people today? I would think about it not as skill, but as a passion. So I think a passion for building knowledge 
is critical if you want to go into the development world and make an impact. Passion for building knowledge means whether or not you are curious, whether or not you are always asking questions about why this is working here and not working there, why some countries did it and others are failing to do that. This curiosity is what I call like a passion for building knowledge. And the other side of the coin is a passion for sharing knowledge. So once you start finding some answers, are you someone who is passionate to share it with your colleagues, with your community, with your country or not? I think this passion for building knowledge and sharing knowledge in my view is, is critical. Uh, again, if you want to try to do some change in the developing world. Thank you, Karen, for leaving us with such a passionate note. You can find more information about Karen's work at CID at hks.harvard.edu slash centers slash CID. Thanks again to Karen for taking the time to talk with us today. You can learn more about Center for International Development and CID's research, events, and upcoming events at cid.harvard.edu. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back soon.